everybody. Talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. We got a star-studded cast for you tonight. Nick's here with me. Cody's back with us. We cannot wait to get this one underway. We're firing on all cylinders, bringing you all the Georgia talking we can do in one session. Y'all stick with us. It's going to be fun. Nicholas, it is good to be back in the studio with you, my friend. Yes, sir. Turkey season is underway. Oh, yeah. That's all you've been studying, son. That's all, that's we all think you've about been studying. Nowadays. Hey, that's all I hear about. I call you. I say, "What are you doing all day?" Well, I've been turkey hunting. Call Cody. Listen, if you ain't been over to all the social media platforms and followed us on YouTube, you're missing out because Cody Watson has been laying down Dropping some them. quality content. Nick Wilson's been laying down some stuff on camera that I've been awful proud of. Yeah. You got the old what you what you call your daddy on the video. Mr. Make a lot of noise. Mr. Make a lot of noise. I done said I was gonna get a ratchet strap and put him in that damn tree if he don't stop. <laughs> if he don't stop moving, he oh, never fails man. when the turkey's almost there. He's eating a biscuit. He wants to get a biscuit out, or he wants to talk. Or... Jack ain't too fond of being on camera, though, is he? No, not at all. <laughs> you getting? But you get him comfortable with it. That would be some awesome content. I'm gonna have to start videoing and get him to be still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that probably will get him not to move. Oh, Cody. Hey, I want to get into all of what you had going on this weekend, and uh, we surely will because those stories need to be told. I want you to tell Absolutely. it straight from the horse's mouth. But uh, it's good to have you back with us. You've been kind of in and out here lately doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been busy. We've had a lot going on, and I just uh, some stuff, other stuff that I kind of took precedence, but I'm here tonight and excited. How's, for sure. the, how's the filming thing going for you? I know just Man, real it's, quick. It's, um, I, I enjoy it a lot. Actually, um, not even get into the hunts, but all the hunts I've been going on, I hadn't even been taking a gun just because I've had somebody with me and just been focusing on the filming. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I enjoy taking that camera just about as much as I do a gun. I mean, because I enjoy calling, so I can kind of sit back and call in for whoever. And it's been – it's a lot of work, but it's something I enjoy. You You're know? learning as you go on exactly. how to get here and where to go and how to uh, how to do um, how to do the kind of – I guess the gist of taking it from the hunting side of it to being the film side of it, and right. I'm sure as you, you put it, it, your passion into everything you do, you'll make that a success. And I'm I'm excited to see where you go with that for sure. It's a lot of fun to watch back. Talk about mountain memories. That's a good way to do it. It is. It absolutely is. So, hey, without further ado, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kind of go right into this thing. We got a guy sitting here uh, on the line with us. And uh, before, we, before I introduce him, I just want to tell a little something about this man, a fine Georgia resident. He's a 25-year veteran firefighter. He's part of the Realtree Pro Staff. He's one of the founding fathers of Team Cholesterol with Justin Martin from Duck Commander. Self-taught comedian and famed turkey hunter who taught Eddie Salter all he knows. And he continues to to mentor the legendary Michael Waddell. Michael Pitts, welcome to Talk About It Outdoors. Man, I appreciate the invite. Y'all, y'all went hard on the intro, and <laughs> you know, really, you, you really polished me up very well. So, you know, well, I'm glad we could do that because if you're like us, it's it's hard to polish us. It, yep, yep, yep. 
that, that's me too. So y- y'all did an excellent job, even though half of it was lies. <laughs> well, hey, half of half of the hunting tales is lies, Michael. <laughs> that's what a hunter and fisherman does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man, we've spent the last few weeks, as we told you when we were talking uh, talking earlier. Nick had made mention that he wanted to get you on the show, and, and we sent you a message, yeah. and you were more than more than willing to come on and be with us. And to me, that means a lot, and it shows a lot about your character and and your willingness to help you know other hunters out here that are trying to kick it off and i mean you've you've made yourself insta famous and facebook famous and and youtube famous and and it's uh it's been cool to watch uh the stories that you've been able to tell and everything you've done with it um from the ata show interviews and man when you oh, yeah. when you hit on mcmillan with that joke about being blake shelton's shadow <laughs> i was I, that got me i died rolling with that one yeah, you never know if Tom's gonna snap on you either. He's a tough little little firecracker. So yeah, and I've never. I, I, was, I, I had my fist balled up ready to punch him after I said that one. Oh. I, I didn't know how he was gonna take it. But has he any, took it like a champ. Has anybody ever got mad at you for doing that? No, they know me, and they know I'm pretty much an idiot. So they know I'm fooling around from the get go. So, but oh. but but it's funny. It, it, it we, we we only you know, usually target people that are in the real tree crowd and we all know each other. So they, they know how to take it and they take it well. You was on on Nate Hosey over at uh, the Headhunters crew. Oh, yeah. He was, he was, oh, yeah. he was eating it up. Not, I, I, we haven't been fortunate enough to talk to those guys yet, but sometime down the road, we want to get Nate and, uh, and some of the other boys on and talk Absolutely. to them. Absolutely. Those guys they're are great they, people. They seem to be. And that new Raven project that they're working yeah. on, um, Randy yeah. Birdsong's working on, Randy. I think that's going to be yeah. very cool. And for yeah, everybody that yeah, doesn't know, his brother, uh, Randy's brother, he's actually playing for mm-hmm. the Atlanta Braves right now, right? Absolutely. Yep, yep. The bird man has come a long way. I, I had never been around him a lot. I've been around Randy a bunch. Me and him are real good friends. But I've, I've never, you know, been around his little brother because he's always, you know, at spring training. Or, you know, if you're on that baseball cycle, you don't get to hunt a lot because during turkey season you're at spring training and then – Especially if you make it into the postseason, you know, you're into deer season. So a lot of those guys don't get to hunt a whole lot just due to their their schedules. Take me back, Michael, to when you first started getting around the Realtree guys. And what year was that? Hmm, I don't know. It was probably, I would say, in the early 2000s and Basically, every fireman's got a second job, and I was farming at the time, but Travis Turner, T-Bone, was doing all my bow work and all, and I piddled with a lot of the stuff on my own, you know, and he knew I kind of had a passion for it, and he had a guy quit him, and he offered me to come to work for him, and I said, well, figure out what you'll pay me, and we'll talk about it or whatever, and he came back with a figure, and it was $2 an hour more than I was making at the farm, and I got sitting air conditioning. So, you know, it was a double home run. So I started working for Travis, and uh, Travis was doing all the Realtree's work at the time. So that's how I kind of got into the Realtree crowd and just, you you know, started meeting them and knowing them and then working on their stuff. And uh, Travis, when Bone Collector came along and he went with Michael, he just didn't have the time to do it anymore. And so I kind of took on his load and and started handling all the real tree and their affiliates and that kind of stuff. Because Travis was on the road 
probably 250 days out of the year. And when he was at home, you know, he needed to spend time with the family and he just didn't have time to do it anymore. So, you know, me and him have always, I've got a shop at my house and he's got a shop at his house. We kind of bounce back and forth, helping each other out and that kind of deal. So it works out good, but yeah, I, I basically got to knowing all these guys through just being a bow ranch, you know, and, you know, just getting to know them and, uh, one thing led to another, and then they were doing those funny little series, like the archery tournaments and all, and the monster bucks. And they started incorporating me into some of that kind of stuff. I, I remember my first deal with them; they shot me up with paintball guns, <laughs> and, and I literally looked like a cheetah with all the whelps on me. Oh. Them suckers hurt. <laughs> you bet, you and, bet and, they do. Oh man, and they weren't but about ten foot from me just just pegging me so you're, so, you're was, a good sport with the real tree boys you, 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 earned right. your, you earned your stripes literally didn't you i guess so i guess that's why they kept me around for all these years because I, I really took one for the team that first year but it just started out little stuff like that and then you know it advanced to you know hunting on camera a little bit and then doing you know when social media struck out and got real big we started doing some comedy bits here and there and you know, it just kind of kind of developed into what it is today, and so you know, they, it's just a great company and a great time, and you know, you can't ask for a bigger or bigger, better organization to be affiliated with, in my opinion. That's absolutely right, and it and it seems the relationship that y'all developed over the years, it's very very kosher, and it and it fits very well together. Y'all mesh, and you're you kind of bring a a lot to them in a in a different way where the the comedy side of it you know when and michael and t-bone they've always had kind of a, a funny side to them and doing the jokes and stuff and t-bone oh, he's always had his but you bring that 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 kind of soft light to it that that i really enjoy watching it's it's funny man to see you in with those guys because you, you get serious about anything if you if you take your time with it but it's fun to see the the, the funny side of things and a lot of well yeah if you're not going to have fun with it, there's no sense in doing it, you know. So, you know, that that's what I've always been about is the fun side of everything. You know, the day it becomes a job, it's no fun anymore, and you're just going through the grind. And, you know, it's something I never want. I, I never want the fun side to leave it because the day I, I stop having fun or stop getting the jitters when a big buck's in front of me is the day I will walk away from it. Uh, and I hope that never happens. I don't think it ever will. But, you know, it's it just we've always been, you know, about the, the, the more having fun side of everything. A lot of people take it too serious and this and that and take it to another level to where it almost, you know, it almost frustrates you and stresses you out a little bit. I, right. I, I like to see the fun side and have fun with it. That's right. Hey, Michael, this is Nick. Yes, sir. <laughs> you still working on bows? <laughs> yeah, I still do a good bit of work on them, actually. I've had to slow down a little bit just due to a busy schedule, you know, when you're, you know, working 24-48s at the firehouse and then, you know, trying to work on bows here and trying to hunt and take some trips and all that kind of stuff. It gets it gets hectic at times, but I work on them as much as I can. Yeah. Do you still work on uh, the real tree guys? Yeah, 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 I do, I do, I sure do. Y'all, y'all, true blue Hoyt guys, ain't you? 
Well, actually, I, I shot horse for a lot of years and loved their products, you know, and then I'm, I'm actually doing hunt club with Philip Culpepper now, and we are sponsored by Elite now, so I had to swap up last year, and I left Hoyt, Hoyt and went to Elite. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so I'm shooting Elite now and have really been enjoying you know them when you get to those top tier companies though they're all good bows it, it, it's just a personal preference of what actually feels better in your hand to you what i like you might not like so you know that's what i always tell people when they're trying to make the decision is go to a shop and shoot everything you can all different brands and pick whichever one feels best to you right. and fits your style of shooting so We'll get into yep. the, we'll yep. get into this in a second, but I love yep. I love the name of the new show y'all got the Hunt Club. But where did yep. you where did you mm-hmm. and Philip first meet at the bow shop? Yeah, pretty much just me wrenching on bows, and you know that's how I met all the real tree guys was was doing that, and you know me and Philip just really developed a good friendship throughout the years, and you know it, it developed into what it was today. So you know we're we're kind of doing that show there's five of us that are doing it and it's been it's been going real good but yeah i met him you know he was he was working for realtree and he, he was doing you know that realtree has four or five guys that pretty much do a lot they go out in the field and film the hunts and then they come back and edit and all they're full-time employees but they've got double duty as far as filming in the field and then coming back and editing and producing and getting all these shows ready for the outdoor channel or digital, whichever way it's going nowadays. So, you know, they were full-time employees of doing it all as to where, you know, a lot of people are freelance. They just kind of lay the footage down and film you in the tree, and then it goes to somebody that edits it, you know, and produces it and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, they were kind of doing it all uh, back then. So, yeah, I I spent a lot of time with all those guys. Great friendships. Watching Philip run a camera or, or operate anything in the woods has been it's been a pleasure to see. Um, he's mm-hmm. he's the kind of guy that it, it seems like would be willing to take his take his time and, and teach anybody anything that wanted to ask from him. Um, I've I've oh, yeah. seen him on shows just kind of pointing things out to people. I I, I believe they were maybe out on, on the Milk River or somewhere, and he self-filmed mm-hmm. killing a huge buck coming to a watering right. trough. And I remember watching mm-hmm. that video and just. The way he composed himself and laid down that footage, and you know, made a made a great shot on it, and then they found the buck, and it was, it was just so cool to see somebody that you know has kind of been behind the scenes, get right. in the limelight now, and, and be able to take that you know it, it, to his advantage. And him and Roger both just seem like the kind of guys that you'd want to spend time around. Oh yeah, it's fun. It's a bunch of laughs. I guarantee you. Yeah, and they're they're great hunters and and great on the video side as well. Rogers run a camera a bunch himself, and he used to film a lot back in the earlier years. You know, he he used to go with them and do a lot of filming, so he's he's real good with a camera as well. Which the way we're doing the show, you, you about gotta be, and that that's brought a whole new challenge to me because I'd never run a camera until last year. So, hey, I'm, I'm really scratching my head in the tree a lot of times. You know, I, I, I messed up a lot of footage this year during the learning process. But it, it, it's a whole different element you got to focus on and think about. And it, it's challenging to self-film. It's very challenging, especially when you don't know how to run a camera. Is Roger still – is he full 
hunt club now, or is he still part helping building them? No, he's been running their farm for 20, 20 plus years now. So uh, he's still full employed with Real Tree, and he uh, he looks after all of Bill's properties and all. He's their farm manager. So that's awesome. Yep he's he's been doing that for a long time now. Sure has, but he, you know, he he was doing other things too as well as he he'll have to guide or film or you know do this and that. You know, you're a man of many hats when you're in a position he's in. You know, as far as farm manager and you know filling in where needed per se. Now, how many? Who's the who's the five guys part of um, Hunt Club? Ah, uh, you got me, and you got Philip, and you got Roger, and then you got uh we call him cheeseburger and he, he he's about like me just cut up likes to have fun and then nate thomas which uh he actually works for sub seven and he does a lot of videoing and editing and producing and that he does all uh, the crush lee and tiffany show and all that kind of stuff he's actually daniel thomas who works at realtree's brother so he's a part of it as well and uh you know it's it, you, you got to have several guys, you know, out there hunting to, to be able to bring enough footage, you know, to make these shows. So, you know, we decided to get a good little group up. And, you know, everybody always liked the old Primos videos back in the day, you know, where there was five guys talking, hunting, and, you know, that kind of stuff, and, and sharing the load. And everybody knows how to film, and everybody knows how to hunt. You can, you know, swap around who's hunting, who's filming, and, it just works good, and you get a lot more footage. So we've been having a really good time with it. So everybody knows the the story, you know, watching you on social media and stuff, and now we're getting to be able to tell the story about how you got into Realtree, which I didn't know that. But I want you to take me back a little bit further, Michael, back when you when you was a kid. Who first got you into, you know, the hunting game? Well, the whole deal was, was I, I never really, you know, my dad and them had a farm growing up. And actually, when they built the West Point Dam, it flooded their farm. And, you know, the government kind of bought them out. And, you know, they had to leave the farm and all that kind of stuff. So he kind of sold all his guns and just got out of it all together, pretty oh, wow. much. And so, you know, my dad did not hunt growing up and then I started showing a passion for it you know when wanting to do it because I had several friends in school that were you know doing it and it struck an interest with me and my grandparents still had a small farm so you know me and dad dad would take me out there and neither one of us knew what we were doing but, <laughs> but we had a good time and got to spend some time outdoors and you know, that kind of stuff. But dad, you know, never, never deer hunted much, even when they had the farm, because he was telling me when they were a kid, you know, they're, they're watching the deer population there is nowadays. You know, if you saw a deer track, it was kind of the talk of town and all. That's right. They were mainly wing shooters and all. They did dove, quail, that kind of deal. And so I really didn't have any, any, you know, I, I was self-taught more than anything. Uh, just showing an interest and in reading every article I could. They're watching social media and internet back then. That kind of tells how old I am. But, you know, I, I just read magazines, stayed buried in magazines and learning this and that, learned by trial and error, you know, just making mistakes and, you know, learning from them, basically. And sometimes that's the best way to do is to learn from your mistakes. You, you tend to learn it and it sticks with you a little bit better. 
That's right. I I made a whole lot of mistakes growing up, but I was pretty much self-taught, just, you know, leaning on friends that did it. And, you know, I really didn't start hunting a lot and getting serious about it till I was 16 years old and can drive and kind of go on my own. Uh, Because before that, I was relying on my, you know, father to take me on on the weekends when he wasn't at work. And, you know, so it it was a self-taught journey, a, a long, hard journey. But, you know, like I say, it, it, I wouldn't have had it any other way. That's right. Yeah, and it kind of teaches you a lot more as you learn it on yourself. Like you said, making mistakes, that's, only, that's the best way to learn a lot of times. It, it is, and I hate to say it, but I, I learn better that way because, you know, when I sit there and make a mistake and know it, I'm like, dang, you know, I, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> that's right. So it, it really, really makes me focus harder and, you know, kind of – kind of focus a little bit better on what I'm doing. But, yeah, I, I was pretty much just self-taught with everything. and Going with people that were really good at it, just paying attention and studying the way they were doing things. And, you know, like I said, just staying buried in magazines and learning this and that, anything I could, watching, you know, the VHS videos, everything back in the earlier Monster Buck days and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it was just one of those deals. And then when I got 16 and was able to get out and had, had more freedom, I really started focusing on it and spending time and, you know, getting in some hunting leases. And then, then I really, really started hammering down on everything. Yeah, and you've had the opportunity to, you know, come from kind of that old school mentality where you had to teach yourself before the social media days. Right. And, and that's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, a lot of the ways – we're in our mid-30s, so we were taught a lot of the same ways. I mean, we didn't have mm-hmm. the the easy road ahead of us for, for you know, for, for learning everything. I mean, it was kind of, you know, self-taught. You had to learn it yourself. And Absolutely. I think it's made – I think it's almost hurt the hunting industry because there's there's so many people out there that get an easy way in, and they just go out and they kill mm-hmm. a great buck out right on their first rip, and they get to go, you know – correct. And it kind of ruins it for them. They didn't have to grind and shoot, you know, a spike or a six-pointer oh, yeah. or a small eight, and they finally did kill a good eight or whatever. It was mm-hmm. – and that's a highlight of your hunting career for a deer when, you know, you got to kill a big eight, and now social media's got it. Well, you should have let them walk, or you should have this, you should have that, and that, that just ain't the way I'm going to be. I mean, I you want to yeah. kill it, you put it on the ground. It, yeah, it, it, and, you know, we talk about that a lot. Waddell's been hitting on that you know, a, a lot here lately because it does push a lot of the new people away from hunting uh, because they think that, you know, I've heard people in the past say, you know, I, I, I didn't post it on social media because I, I was kind of embarrassed. And I said, man, you can't think that way. You know, if it's if it means something to you, post away. That's right. And, and people are going to hate on you no matter what you do. You could have the most epic hunt that went perfectly and you're going to have people that are going to rip on yeah jealousy (laughs) it's a it's a hell of a drug jealousy is uh, uh, oh i'm telling you and and it it just you got to learn to you know just be confident and if you're proud of it do it you know And, and you know a lot of people are taking it too far to the point to where oh we don't shoot them till they're seven and a half years old or whatever well you know this guy might have never killed a buck before and now you've got him on the men- mentality that he's got to start off at the top <laughs> instead of working his way up yeah and that's sad 
yeah, it, it is. It's sad because, you know, the hunting industry as a whole is very small. Yep. And we've got a lot of people hating on us. We don't need to be fighting with each other. We need to be supporting each other, you know, more. And, you know, you might think this is a little deer, but this is this kid's pride and joy. You know, this is his first deer. And some people take it way too far and just, you know, there's, it, it, it's really pushing away people, I think, a lot to where to, to where some people are, are taking it. They're taking it way too serious. And then again, it gets away from the fun that yep. we talked about earlier. And if you can't have fun with it, you know, it's it, it just, it, it's a bad road that we're on right now with all the hate and negativity within ourselves. And I, I really wish it would stop. But you're right, social media exposes that way more than it was in the earlier days well so, folks has got comfortable sitting behind a keyboard not getting their teeth knocked out for saying something cross to somebody oh yeah get down to it that's right yeah they're in mom's basement screaming <laughs> for meatloaf you know <laughs> and bashing you at the same time exactly so, and, and it, 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 it's sad. It it's is. It truly, is truly, truly sad. Well, and that's something you know we set out right in the beginning. That was one of the first you know kind of statements that we made to ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we're going to do a podcast, we're going to do it in a positive right. light. We're going to tell what we're thankful for, and we ain't going right. to bash people. If somebody don't like something we're doing, they got a lot to pick on because we're we're you know positive as could be about it. You got something that's to come true. at us with? Hey, we we got an address. We'll give you. We'll be glad to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. It's just that's, I mean, right. it's just sad the way the hunting industry is going, but. At oh, the yeah. same time, and and one of our former uh, guests on the show, somebody that mm-hmm. we've all grown to look at as more of a mentor in the sport, gave a word that we've said several times. Don Higgins said that we need to be better stewards for mm-hmm. the outdoors and mm-hmm. be better, you know, craftsmen in teaching others that. And I think that that kind of that kind of sticks with a lot of people when you hear that. What is a steward of the the art of hunting and if we stick Correct. with that and be stewards of the game and treat it mm-hmm. with the respect it deserves, which the, the hunting industry as a whole, like you said, has got a bad light on it, no matter where it comes from, mm-hmm. what it does, it's got a negative connotation of what people see us as, and we have to change it. Right. We do. We do. And we just all need to join together and start supporting each other more than we are. Uh, you know, and, and it's sad, but, you know, it's like I said, I – Everybody that's out there doing anything is getting bashed. And there are people that create fake accounts because they're too, too scared to, you know, let you know who they are bashing on you. That's right. So they'll set up a fake account, you know, with two friends and, and, and go at everybody. And half the time it could be one of your buddies. You never know, you know. And, and so it, it's gotten to a way, you, you know, when social media has exposed it, a lot more than it was beforehand because so many more people can get in contact with you. But I've been ripped when we were doing those pit stops and all that. <laughs> yeah, they were great. Stuff, stuff of that nature, man, folks would rip on me so bad because actually a lot of people thought I was being serious, to be honest <laughs> with you. And they were like, man, I can't believe you don't shoot does. And I'm like, Dude, if you knew, I, I kill so many does, it's not even funny. And, you know, we did that one on reaping turkeys. I reap turkeys all the time. You know, I, I'm not scared to say it. I love so, I love you know, when you did that doe one, man. You're sitting in that boat, and you then you'd go to the deer stand, and it went back and oh, yeah. forth. That was great. I enjoyed oh, yeah, every bit of that, man. 
But that's the thing. People can't joke anymore. They do. They see something and they yeah. immediately take it to light as, mm -hmm. a, you know, oh, this is, that's got to be the, the gospel. And that's the sad oh, yeah. truth of it. That, oh, yeah. And they take it personal. There's some folks that take it personal, boy. They'll get dirty with you. <laughs> nah, you, uh, I mean, you did that one where you were reading the comments. That was funny. And people, oh, yeah. That was great. Yeah, a lot of people were calling me fat. So I had a Diet Coke sitting next to me. I went all the way to the store to, just to get a Diet Coke to, to, to sit next to me while we were doing that. But yeah, yeah, it got out of hand there for a while, and some people were laying some pretty well. They were using profanity and all in it, and you know we didn't want it to go to that level. Right. And so we, well, we did that to try to kind of calm people down a little bit. But well, that's yeah. It, it, ignorance coming yeah. through when they start throwing profanity out there. They can't find a better word uh, to use. I'm telling you, but it, it's just, you know, we try to have fun with everything. That's what it's all about. And if you can't have fun with it, why why do it, you know? But a, a lot of people are, I mean, it's like y'all say, they're, they're in mom's basement just looking for stuff to rip on. And like I say, it could be the most perfect hunt. Everything went perfect. You couldn't ask for anything better, and you're going to have that crowd that's going to roll in on you and start bashing you. And that's what's so sad with everything today, you know, that we can't we we can't join together and be happy for one another anymore. Well, so I think I'll segue into this since we're kind of talking about it. I was, mm -hmm. I was um, reading the other day online. You guys down there in Harris County were trying to get a bow band for downtown, correct? Oh, yeah, that was in Muskogee County, uh, which oh. is Columbus, Georgia, actually. So that, that's next door, though, right? Yeah, it, it's next door. It's next door to Harris County is what it is. And uh, basically what had happened was there. there's a, a subdivision over there in Columbus that had some wooded lots and all behind the house. And a, and a guy had shot a deer, and it had run over to a, another lady's property and died. And he went to the door and asked her if he could retrieve the animal. And she got really rude with him, and it went, she called and complained, and it went from one level to another and really, really got out of hand. And it was really just a, you know, innocent deal. So the city council jumped on it, and they started trying to, you know, outlaw hunting, even archery hunting in city limits and that kind of stuff. So, you know, you got to watch that kind of stuff because if, if you let them take an inch, they're going to take a mile at the end. So, you know, a lot of people got together and band together and we actually had a really big group that was going to go to the meeting and then they canceled the meeting. I, I think word got back that, you know, that there was a lot of dislike in the way things were being handled. So they pushed it back and, you know, or I don't know if they're going to reschedule it or not. They heard but, uncle Ted was coming down. What I heard. Uh, old hey, Ted. He, 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 he would liable do that for something like that. You don't want a politic with Ted. I can promise you. <laughs> no, that's right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't somebody, wasn't somebody on the podcast that talked about, they couldn't do that for, that's not like a, we had like, the DNR. Uh, it was, um, uh, was it Charlie Kilmaster was on from the. Um, but uh, they can't just go. That that's not like a council. That's a state law, correct? It's federal. Uh, federal law. I don't know exactly where it falls in there. I know I've heard from some game wardens before. They, I don't think they can come into a city and enforce a law. I. 
I'm not too sure because there's a lot of gray area in there. And I don't know exactly how it works, but I want to say I've heard by some game wardens that have said that they can't come into the city and go against any ordinance that are set place by the city. Yeah, if a, uh, a city a city has primacy over over that. If they if they set it out in the public and they have a council meeting, and it passes, and they have primacy over the correct. State oh, really? Regulation, state oh. regulations to an extent. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Charlie was yeah, telling cause... us that they could supersede it with because state superseded city in that case because it's a federal game animal is what he was pronouncing. Yeah, and I'm not. As. And I'm I don't know what. Sure. I ain't sure either. I can't say yeah. for sure. Yeah, don't nobody call us yelling at us. That's that's just. That's right. That's right. I, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I live in a subdivision here on the Chattahoochee River. And, you know, when, when I was growing up, I, I did a lot of bow hunting back there and killed a lot of deer on the river. You know, from the time I was about 16 to about, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was back there for about seven or eight years, you know, and the, the city was even letting me, you know, kind of hunt on some of their property. <laughs> that was wooded there and you know because they become a nuisance at a time you know they eat everybody's flowers and they you know people are hitting them with cars and this and that and that's why you see a lot of your you know uh travis went to pennsylvania several times and worked with some of those uh companies that actually that's what they did for a living was they went to these subdivisions and eradicated you know wh- whatever was causing problems so you know, as long as the city is okay with what you're doing, uh, I don't think the game wardens can come in and enforce anything different. But I could be totally wrong with that. I'm going to be honest with you, Michael. As close as we live to Atlanta, mm-hmm. the last place I would have thought that something like that would have came up is down south where you guys live. I thought it would have been right here close to, closer to us than it would have you guys. Right. Well, it right. nearly well, happened I mean, here. I mean, you talk about Johns Creek. Yeah. That's just right over the hill, 35, 40 minutes. I mean, that, that they oh, tried oh, to oh. do it there. Yeah, they did. And some of your biggest deer, I mean, the Georgia state record came out of Fulton, I do believe. Yep. And, uh, you know, they're killing them, those seat one guys and all they're, they're doing some damage, you know, in these, these little wooded areas that are within the inner city, the Metro Atlanta area, there's some huge deer coming out of there. They sure are. You know, it's, it, it's crazy, but I'd talked to one of those guys one time I was working on his bow and, you know, he was telling me, because I was asking, you know, what is y'all's territory like? Is it all 10-acre lots or, you know, what's it like up there? And he said, well, we we have a little bit of everything. He said, you know, we have some some places that are only four or five acres. And then he said, we've got some lots that are 600, 700 acres, just depending on where it is. He said, it's all inner city. But, you know, he said, we got a lot of woods within the inner city. So, he said some of it's big chunks of land all the way down to little subdivision lots, you know. But those little subdivision lots hold huge deer. Because <clears throat> oh, I've seen a lot around our area, you know. The, the deer just become comfortable and they live there all their life. and You know, nobody really messes with them. And, I mean, they just get gigantic. So, Well, and that's something, you know, that, that's changed the scope of people's perception of, you know, mm-hmm. what a deer in Georgia's what it's like to kill a deer in Georgia. They see the right. seek one guys and they see the, the mm-hmm. golly, the magnificent success that T Bone had last year, you know, oh, you know with God. the deer that yeah. he killed. And they yeah. take that as Georgia being, you know, that up and coming easy state to go to go to and kill a big buck and 
we're right. hey we're we're georgia north georgia hunters we spend a lot of time walking these mountains up here and hey illinois can say what they want to that they ain't a 150 behind every tree well come up come on down to georgia where they ain't a <laughs> uh, a hundred inch deer behind every tree yeah it, it's tough and what i've always done is i don't get into hey, trying to kill a 180 inch deer but my focus is i when I get on any track of land, I put some cameras out and do a survey and find a good deer that I want to want to hunt, and I hunt him, whether he's a 90-inch deer or a 200-inch deer. Amen. You know, I, I, I take it as a cat and mouse and, you know, chasing game and just, I, I'll pick something I want to hunt out and I go after it. You know, I, I'm not worried if it's a 200-inch deer or whatever. I, I just... I like the cat and mouse game of trying to track one specific animal and, and come through with it. So I don't care if he's 80 inches or 200 inches. Once I've accomplished my goal, that's all that matters. And But a lot of people, you know, they hunt ghosts, and they're hunting deer that don't even exist. And when you get to that point, you know, it's going to get to the point to where it's no fun anymore if you're just chasing the goal of a 200-inch deer. And so I just picked something that's mature and I want to hunt on the property, you know, and I go after it. I, I don't get into the rack size as much as a lot of people do. You know, I'm more on finding something mature, whether he's 50 inches or whatever. That's so, right. Well, you it, know, that that's what I have fun is just setting the goal and trying to accomplish that goal. Yeah. And you, you made, you've made mention several times, keeping the fun in it and, I had talked to you on the phone when we first kind of started kicking around the idea of doing a podcast together. Um, you had an episode, and it it kind of really, it kind of really hit me. You know, in I guess in a way that would have hit a lot of guys that are about your age or or that spend a lot of time in the outdoors about taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And after your your incident you had happened with your heart, would would you mind telling us a little bit about that and and how that changed your perception on things? Oh yeah, I mean it's definitely gonna gonna change your your, your perception on everything because I I didn't I didn't really know anything was wrong at the time per se. At forty one years old, you're not thinking of heart issues at all, and you know I'd been getting some some pressure you know, right below my sternum, you know, it was just like pressure or whatever. And we were sitting around the station one night and I said, Hey, one of y'all mind running the 12 lead on me? And I said, I'm just feeling a little something different. want to check it out. So they hooked me up on the monitor and everything showed fine. So I just passed it off. Hey, maybe I'm developing a little indigestion or something of that nature. So, you know, I said, the 12 lead should have showed it if anything was going on with my heart. And it, you know, over the next six months, I'd felt it a few times come and go. And, you know, then one morning, about four in the morning, it was bad enough. It kind of woke me up. And I said, well, I'll be at the fire station in a couple of hours. We'll just run another 12 lead. So when we got there, we ran another 12 lead and everything showed fine. And then we caught a fire right after that. And went and fought the fire. And I actually got got the driver to take me by and uh, get some roll aid. You know, because I just thought I had indigestion or whatever. And we went back. I got a shower and came out and everybody was going to lunch. And I said, I, I'm just going to stay here. I think I, you know, I just, I, I don't feel real good. So they went to lunch. When they came back, the chief pulled me aside and he said, hey, you know, 
they knew something was wrong because I always go to lunch with everybody. And they, they said, why don't you just go get checked out at urgent care or whatever? And so I went and got checked out. And first thing they did was run 12 leads. I said, it ain't going to show anything. I said, we've been running these, you know, for a while now. And they hooked me up, didn't show anything. And I kind of, kind of had a little spell there, broke out in a sweat and, you know, uh, they ended up giving me some nitro and a uh, little bit of Zofran to stop the nauseousness. And once they kind of got me stabilized, they sent me over to the cardiologist. And they did an echo over there and couldn't find anything on the echo. And sometimes a gallbladder will mimic some heart issues. So they were kind of thinking gallbladder, but luckily the cardiologist said, we're, we're going to put you through a stress test. And if you pass that, uh, we'll start looking at gallbladder. Uh, but we want to eliminate all the heart issues first. And then I, I flunked the uh, stress test. So they sent me to the ER immediately and was going to the cath lab. And they ended up cathing me and found 100% blockage in my LAD, wow. which is your Widowmaker. And so they tried to put a stent in right then and couldn't get the stent in. And that's when I had to have the surgery. And they scheduled the surgery for two weeks later. So I was like, you expect me to sit here for two weeks knowing what's going on with my heart. And the doctor brought it up and he showed me everything. And he said, if you'll see here, he said, some of your veins and venules and all have cut a path around the blockage. So you're getting about 20% blood flow to the left side of your heart. And they said, as long as you stay at rest, you know, you'll be you'll be okay until surgery. So that relaxed my mind a little bit. But I ended up having to have uh, basically what they call it, a coronary robotic-assisted bypass. And they they cut you in four spots, and they cut an artery that's right by the heart, and then they reroute it and tie it in below the blockage. So what ends up happening is that artery feeds the left side of your heart then. So it, it, it was it was a very long process, and it changes your perspective a lot. You know, basically when when you have both your local and Atlanta doctor tell you you should be dead, you start looking at things a little bit different. It, it really it really affected me, you know, a lot is the way I looked at life and little things and this and that, uh, because you know technically. I shouldn't have made it out of there. So God's will it, it seen was, you through that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. The the Lord had His hands on me through through that whole process. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it because I'd fought several fires during that period of you know having those issues, and, and it's just a wonder I didn't drop dead at one of them. You know, putting my heart up under that amount of stress and. You know, after everything happened, I had a lot of people tell me we we knew something was wrong with you because you weren't, you know, going as hard as you typically go. And I just thought, man, you know, I'm getting old and getting indigestion and getting tired quicker, you know. Right, <laughs> so, right. You know, I was just playing it off at 41. You're really not, you know, thinking hard. But it totally changes your perspective on life, you know, when you come that close to losing it. And so, you know, it, 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 it took a, it, it definitely put me on a different path for sure. Not that I was on the wrong path to begin with, but I just look at things a little bit differently now for sure.
Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that with us because I, mm-hmm. I know the the when you first got back out there in the woods, it was an emotional experience for you as as yeah. anyone that would went through that. Right. And to show your appreciation that way, it really was. It was really. It was. It oh, was. Yeah. I'm gonna say it was cool. To, you know, to see somebody share their. You know, their experience was that, and right. you know, just it, it really. Somebody out there saw that, and it. You know, it made them understand. Hey, maybe I need to change the way I'm doing things a little bit, or maybe I need to slow down a little bit and look at things a little right. different. And that's the. Yeah. That's the kind of things in the the hunting community that I think more people need to do. They need to share that raw emotion and and show. Oh. They're human too, and and it, it, because Absolutely. people enjoy watching hunting, and they're going to right. listen to it, and they're going to know, yeah. yeah, hey, this guy's doing it. He's out here hunting. I want to keep hunting. I need to be taking better care of myself, or I need to get checked out if something's going on. So that's right. And that that that's if your body's not acting normal, and you notice a difference, you need to go get it checked out because actually the way that happened was that was the first day I'd ever left the house in. Actually, my dad drove me out to the farm, and Stephen McNelly uh, with Realtree met me out there, and, and we were going to film some stuff because we were starting Whitetail TV at the time. So we were going to do that. But actually, the day before I had all this go down, me and Stephen were out there hanging a stand, a lock on, and I, I couldn't even finish that task. I, I got real winded and had to come down and he actually had to finish hanging that set. And so we had pulled up right there at that spot. And, and Stephen asked me, he said, do you, do you mind talking about it a little bit? And I said, no, I'll, I'll talk about it, you know. And being there and the first time back outdoors and being at the spot where, you know, I couldn't complete an objective, you know, my emotions got all of me. I didn't expect for that to happen, but just, you know, being there and being back outdoors, it just all of a sudden hit me, you know, and you do take a different, different look at everything, you know, when you have a major issue like that. Well, let me ask you this. Now I'm going to kind of bounce off of that. Did, uh, When you seen that clown on the bank when you was fishing with Justin Martin, now Ooh. you wasn't having those heart conditions, was Ooh. you? <laughs> oh, man. That probably caused it all. <laughs> what was, I have a fear of clowns, something awful. I mean, I'll punch a clown in the throat. I, I do not like them at all. And everybody knows it, so they're constantly messing with me, so. We went fishing, and the farm manager knew that. He had taught me. It was actually Stephen McNelly again that was out there filming, and he had talked to Stephen and told Stephen he was going to be up there in a clown mask. And So I, I, I didn't even see him until we got right up on him, and it, boy, my, my heart <laughs> went to about a 200 beats a minute. It scared me to death. That's funny how but that yeah, does, I people. Do, I do not like clowns one bit at all. Oh, so. I, I watched that video the other day, and you said, I don't know if it's the mask or his voice that's creeping me out more. Oh, I can't yeah. even cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he threw out that weird voice, and I looked up and saw that mask, and oh, he wasn't but about 20 yards from me when I saw it. And, oh, man, it freaked me out. Oh man, that was that was. But the, the, ain't it funny how your buddies get with you the most and get under you oh, the yeah. most? <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Uh, but that's that's the fun. The, 
you know, jabbing back and forth and, you know, that's, that's part of all the experience to me. So, you know, I always tell people if I'm not joking or kidding around with you, it probably means I don't like you. That's right. That's right. Well, and Justin, he's he's really became you know a, a staple in the in the real tree team as of late. I mean, he's showing up oh, everywhere. Yeah. Him and him and Godwin yeah. are out there at the Milk River yeah. hunting with you guys, and mm-hmm. it's yeah, those guys seem pretty pretty. They're from Louisiana. They ain't Georgia boys, but they right. seem like they could fit right in with the best of us. They do. They they are absolutely great people. I, I mean, they they I talk to them all the time. I mean, they're just just good people so you know it's good to find people like that and take trips with them it, it always makes for a better experience when you've got positive people around you and they're always positive and upbeat and like to have fun just like everybody else so camp's always fun with those two for sure that's awesome michael so this is your uh first time taking osceola this year is that correct yeah, absolutely. I, I watched it. Alex is mad at us. We're getting into. Tur- I wanted. To, I wanted to shift gears and get into turkey hunting. He's tired of us talking about it. So yeah, I, wa- I watched the- a video the other day. I watched the mm-hmm. video you guys put out, and you took that. Uh, yeah. You took that turkey. So that was your first one. Yeah, that was my first Osceola ever. I, I've never killed anything but easterns. Now I've killed easterns from, you know, northern Pennsylvania all the way down to South Georgia. You know, so. I, I've killed my share of Easterns, but I've never killed any of the other subspecies. I've never killed, you know, an Osceola, Merriam, or Rio. So I, I've been kind of having the itch to want to c- complete a slam. And so uh, we were, we actually had this trip planned for last year, and COVID ended up canceling it. Uh, so we, we didn't go last year, and so we reevaluated it this year and went down there and uh, we got into some birds and had a great time. It's just there's something beautiful about Florida with the palm trees and the, you know, the the, the moss hanging from the trees and all that. You know, the palmettos. It's just pretty country to me. And those those birds, man, they are they are violent little suckers. They once they commit, they they are coming. You know, and they are a very very aggressive turkey. So it was. It was neat to hunt a, a different species, you know, subspecies of a turkey. So, uh, you know, they, they say they're different characteristics and mannerisms with each different one, and it's just neat to see that. So it was my first experience with anything other than an eastern turkey. Did they gobble a lot down little, there? They didn't really gobble a lot when we were down there. But, you know, they, they do gobble, but it didn't seem near as much as an eastern, but that could have been just due to the time of the year or whatever i've had a lot of people say that the osceolas don't gobble you know quite as much as your other turkeys do so you know but they're they're like little velociraptors you feel like you're in jurassic park or something when those suckers come up they're just smaller bodies real long-legged you know uh you can really tell a difference in them and most of them really have good hooks sharp hooks now y'all were struggling a little bit down there weren't you and y'all just happened to y'all just happened to come around that corner and rolled up on them didn't you yeah we were doing a lot of glassing because there's a lot of open country there they had some orange groves and a bunch of you know open area around the groves and so we were doing a lot of glassing and more putting eyes on them and then trying to work them than we were just by gobbling because we weren't getting a whole whole lot of gobbles you know morning or afternoon or anything so 
uh, we, we had to, you know, back up and punt and go more to sight and see and then get eyes on them first and then try to work them. And uh, the one Drake killed, we, we ended up, you know, he gobbled several times. My bird never gobbled. We just ended up kind of glassing, you know, some open areas and trying to get on one. But once you start working them, they'll commit. You know, it's just a matter of getting eyes on them. But but uh, the the two birds, the one I killed and the one Drake killed, they both worked textbook, you know, once we got on them and got set up and got to working them. What and uh, I, I, did they put it in the video with the with all the jakes that came in? They came through the gate. I think they had. I think they put that on that video. But we, we I can't had remember. About, it's been a, it's been a few weeks ago since I watched it. Yeah, we we had about ten jakes come in on us, and they were gobbling and acting a fool. They were acting like grown men. So, well, does that you know it was it, it was fun? Does that make you no, want to complete the U.S. Slam now? Yeah, you know, to to do the U.S. Slam, you know, it it, it definitely makes me want to do it, and I would eventually like to kill a ghoul and oscillated, you know. Yeah, that that's definitely something I would would want to do for sure. Uh, but you know, I I know some people that killed that oscillated turkey, and I don't know if y'all know much about them, but it's a totally different kind of hunting. They use like electronic calls and. You shoot them out of trees, some and all kinds of stuff. No, it's I, like a, we, it's like a totally different beast. I haven't heard that. We had a Jimbo Ronquest on here the other day, and he was talking about up in Virginia that they use uh-huh. they use dogs and almost like like a bird dog, and they jump those turkeys up and shoot them when they fly. You're kidding me? <laughs> no, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that might be a challenge too, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's that's a big old quail right there <laughs> let me i got i got a question i put out on facebook the other day uh-huh i give you what i say 140 inch buck a long beer with what a inch don't and, do this to me come on inch and a half don't spurs do this to me. a five pound bag of, uh, a five pound lemon an eight pound bass or a mess of crappy which one you taking it is such a battle between deer and turkey with me Oh, it would be a deer or turkey, and I can't, I I love both of them so much that it's hard to differentiate between them, because I've been asked that question a lot, and I I can't answer it. Yeah. That's just one of those questions I can't answer, because I don't even want to say I'm going to give one of them up. I'm I'm, I'm like you. I mean, it comes, it comes fall time. I'm ready to get in a deer stand. It comes springtime. Yeah, that's me too. Exactly. I got, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Me and Alex actually had this conversation the other day. We're coming out of the turkey woods. I got Alex in the turkey woods. I said, you know what? Uh I said, I think I like turkey hunting more than deer hunting. But I know come (laughs) November and we're sitting over, sitting out west somewhere, I'm going to be like, Uh I wouldn't trade this for nothing. Well, that's exactly right. I was, ready to, exactly I was right. ready to slap him, Michael, when he told me that, thinking about us going <laughs> yeah. to Illinois again this well, year. I, I thought, I, here we I go. Think like, yeah. I think like a previous guest, James Turner, we had on, you give me a, a deer for Georgia or, or a good spring turkey hunt, I'll probably take the turkey hunt. Yeah, me too. Especially in Georgia. Yeah, yeah especially Georgia. Yeah. It, it, there's a, it's just two totally different dynamics. You know, deer hunting, you're in a stand, you're being still, you can't talk, you're quiet turkey hunting you know we run and gun mainly we, mm-hmm. we we don't deer hunt a turkey uh so you know it's more you can cut up and laugh and you're moving constantly and so you, you know it's it's two totally different deals and i love them both you know equally 
Oh, hey, I, I just would never want to make that decision if I had to pick between the both. I think I'd just throw my hands up, walk <laughs> off, and give it all up. Well, that is what I would have to do. <laughs> well, do you, do you have a turkey hunt or a deer hunt that stands out in your mind that's just a memorable one to you? You know, every one of them just super, super memorable to me. And part of the hunting I like is traveling and seeing different territory and different areas of the country. And, you know, the scenery, it's not all about the kill to me or how big the animal is. Some of my more memorable hunts have been, you know, your smaller animals are not your greatest accomplishments, if you understand what I'm saying. Sure. You know, so there are a lot of things just depending on who you're with or how it happened or each hunt's so unique. You kind of have a bond to every one of them. And, you know, I'll, I'll walk through the house and look at a deer and just almost relive every moment of it. And I can do that with every deer, you know, that's hanging on the wall. And so each one's unique in its own way and they're all special in their own way, you know. But, you, you know, some of them definitely just due to where you were, the people you were with stand out more, you know, than one or the other. But, you know, I, I, I'm i the kind that loves them all. You know, just like I can't make a decision between deer and turkey. <laughs> yeah. Everything means so much to me. It's hard to pick one favorite out because you'll pick, you'll say, ah, oh, yeah, this, this, this one was my favorite. And then the next, well, I had this, you know, next thing you know, you've named them all. So. They're all special to me. I truly just love being outdoors and, you know, the hunt and the chase and everything together. So I, I think I get a lot of enjoyment out of like the planning of the trip with your buddies. Cause yeah, I, I, to me, I, you're, you're constantly mm-hmm. talking about it, figuring out where you're going to hunt, whether right. if, if you're going in town, out of town, I get a lot of right. enjoyment out of that. There, there is in, something. In oh, go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no! Go go ahead. I was just gonna say there is something though about standing there on crisp morning watching that sunrise and just standing oh, there yeah. with your buddy whispering, talking back and forth, and you hear that first gobbler just yeah. sound oh, yeah. live and you head uh-huh. that way. There's that's hard to beat that feeling right there. It, it, it is. It, it it's hard, and I, I can't make a decision on anything. I'm one of the most indecisive people there is because. I love everything about the hunt, and the, I love to fish too. I fish a ton you know, as well, but I would definitely pick hunting over fishing. I could tell you that right Amen. off the bat. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, when you get to differentiating between turkey and deer, I'm just going to walk off because I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to face it. I don't even want to face it. But Well, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and know. go to the house, boys. Y'all done started bashing on bass fishing. I'm going to have to get out of here. <laughs> as, did you, but, yeah. did you teach Philip everything he knows about calling? No, man, that's what he's call. He he can he can wheel and deal. I don't even break a call out when I'm with him. No, I, don't, I, don't I, don't blame him. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I don't even try. My, my my diaphragm stay in my little caddy, and my box call stays on my hip. I don't, I don't touch a thing that's what when I, I'm with him. That's, that's what I was gonna say. I bet no, them. I bet them local guys down there when he gets drawn out for them management area hunts just shake just, their head. Just their shake head. their head when he comes rolling. Uh, in. No. Oh yeah. Well, last year was the first year he ever did that. Did really? one of those quota hunts. You know, that was the first year he did it. And he went out there and smacked him around and got out of there quick. And, uh, you know, he, he, he told me, he said, man, you need to put in for one of those quota hunts. And I, I've never done it either because we, we've all got, you know, leases and places we hunt and all that. We're, we're lucky in that 
aspect of things that we don't have to, you know, put in for a lot of the quota stuff. But a lot of your people, you know, that's all they got, you know, so that there, there's an art to it. And the people that hunt your, you know, public land in a lot way, you're, you know, they have to contend with a lot more and it's a lot harder hunting and you have to deal with more pressure. So, you know, I, I give all the respect in the world for those guys, you know, because they, they go out there and battle it out and get it done. So, you know, that's another topic that, you know, in the outdoor industry right now is the public and the private guys. Yeah, I know, know, that's right. Public public guys think they're better. Private guys think they're better. <laughs> and it, it's just almost, you know, put on the boxing gloves kind of deal. I don't, I don't My care whole deal is, I'm going hunting. <laughs> Hey, I, I don't either. As long as you enjoy it and it's legal, let's do it. That's you know, right. that, that's the way I look at it. I, that's the way I – and I have hunted some public, you know, land a few times here and there with some friends and all. And, you know, but, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have, you know, uh, enough private land to hunt that, you know, I, I've never done it before. But those guys, I, I definitely – definitely give props to them what do you think about the new turkey regulations that they're coming out with michael i mean as far as the new legislation they're trying to propose yeah and that's you know georgia and alabama both are doing it because i live right on the line and hunt both states so uh you know georgia and alabama are both going into it there's no doubt the turkey population has gone down and a lot of people are grasping answers of why and, you know, this, that, and coming up with a lot of different stuff. And I agree with some of it and don't agree with some of it. Uh, you know, Alabama's put out a bunch of proposed changes for 2022. And a lot of that stuff in there, they're changing the dynamics of the way you hunt, but they're not changing the bag limit. Because, see, in Alabama, you can kill five birds, which to me is, you know, I love to kill a turkey more than anybody, but that's too much, especially when you're on a population that's downsizing per se. Forgive me if so, I'm wrong, Michael, but I heard did not did I not hear that Alabama took it down to three now? No, they have not now. That's in a the proposed changes, the lowest I saw was to four. They they had proposed to drop it to four, but the way I look at it, what would help more in, in my personal opinion would be to lower it all the way to three, from five to three, and just let you to continue to hunt them the same way we always have. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, to me, that's saving more turkeys than leaving the bag limit at five and changing how you hunt it. You know, so I think it would do more good, in my personal opinion, just to lower the bag limit and leave the way you hunt them. I think that would save more turkeys than the other way. Because even if you put this different stipulations in it, making it harder, you're still going to have a lot of guys that kill five turkeys every year. That's right. So and my, my whole deal is I would, I would like to see the bag limit lowered, but just hunt them the same way. And Alabama's throwing some proposals out there as far as saying, like, you can only kill one turkey the first 10 days. And, you know, it's almost like the season's changing every every you know two weeks or whatever they they throw different guidelines in there for different times of the year which is going to get confusing and i think it would be a lot easier and save a lot more birds to just say hey we're lowering the bag limit to three but you can kill them however you want to uh but 
you know, everybody's got their own opinion on everything, and everybody's got their own opinion on what the decline in the turkey population is. You know, from predators, from a lot of people are saying the chicken manure that a lot of these farmers are using to fertilize their fields is creating some diseases with them, and that's wiping them out. There's been all kind of stuff to some states. They're trapping them and trading them to Canada for elk. And I mean, there's so many theories out there as to why the, the decline of turkeys is happening. But, you know, I, I really don't, you know, all of them can sit there and make you believe, you know, whatever they're saying. And I sit there and go, well, he's got a point there. And then you listen to somebody else and go, well, there, there's a point there too. So, That's right. you know, you sit there with your head turned and really not knowing what to think, you know, or why. I, I have I've seen a decline around here, especially with hens. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. To me, hens has been the biggest thing I've noticed. I've been trying to fill out that survey for right for this year for Georgia, and yeah, I don't know if mm-hmm. I, I think I've only seen one hen. I've only been hunting five times just because the weekends fell fell the way they have. Correct. I haven't hunted through the uh-huh. week, but I haven't seen any right. hens. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because we usually have a bunch of hens on the property I hunt, and I have noticed more gobblers this year but less hens. That's right. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is there because, you know, usually you'll find a gobbler and he's got 10 or 12 hens with him, and this year I'm seeing two or three and sometimes only one hen with them. So, you know, that kind of got my curiosity up to why the the, the gobbler population was better, you know, this year, but the hens seemed to be down. And I had a group of seven jakes, so, you know, uh, I, I feel like there was a good hatch last year, being I had seven jakes piled up in one little area. But, you know, I, it's, I don't know if anybody will ever know, you know, really what it is. And, you know, they, they can get that, uh, oh, what's that disease they get? basically their whole face kind of rocks it's it's i can't i can't remember what they call it i haven't heard of that that is yeah that that is contagious in a white you know a whole herd of turkeys out we actually had one on our farm a couple of years ago that we found it was a gobbler and it had actually blinded him because he had so much growth on his face of that disease that uh it had blinded him. It had totally covered his eyes up, and he was just sitting there on the ground. He couldn't move because, I mean, he he couldn't see. So he was just standing there. You could walk right up to him, and we ended up herding him into a dog kennel and calling DNR, and they, they told us what it was, and it, that disease was actually contagious and could spread and wipe a bunch of turkeys out. Was it the blackhead disease, Mike? Yeah, Michael? that's what it was. That's what it was. I, it was I, the black kid disease. Yep. I, I recently heard another podcast with Emily Rushton. She's a turkey biologist mm-hmm. for Georgia. She was uh-huh. on, she was on our podcast, but I we didn't ask this question. I didn't know this, but she was saying if you put out unclean corn, which most corn that mm-hmm. people buy in Georgia is cleaned, but if you're buying right. unclean corn and put it on the ground and it gets wet, um, uh-huh. those turkeys can eat that and it can be uh-huh. deadly to them too. Huh. So yeah, and there's yeah there there's lots of stuff out there, and you know it's it, it's weird, and like I say, it's one of those theories that you never know if they're actually going to pinpoint it. That's right. Uh, but but there is you know a, a 
the definite decline in the numbers that I've seen. I remember when I was younger, you know, you could drive around this area and look out pastures and see turkeys all the time. And now you seldomly see turkeys out in the pastures anymore. But you I, know, it, but I think there's crazy. a but I think there's a huge increase in hunters too. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm only yeah. 35, and I mean, I've been turkey hunting since I was a kid, since Dad would take me. And I'm like Correct. you said, I remember seeing them everywhere, but, and and mm-hmm. not seeing any hunters. But now right. it seems like everywhere you see, there's a truck pulled over somewhere hunting. Yeah, and it's gotten a. We used to confine because a lot of people, you know, leases are big around us in this area. When you get out west and all, you don't see it. You don't see hunting clubs and all that in those areas. But around us, it's real big. And you know, it's you know, I I don't know. You know, it's it used to be to where you could find turkey land very easy because right. you had people that had these leases, but they they were deer hunters and didn't turkey hunt. And you could throw them a little money and say, hey, I just want turkey rights. And, you know, wham, you, you've got a bunch of turkey properties lined up. And it's getting hard now to find anybody to do that anymore. So the only thing that's telling me is you're getting more turkey hunters out there, like you're saying. That's right. You know, because they're not wanting to turn loose uh, of the turkey rights on a lot of land around here anymore. And, you know, I, I truly believe COVID killed a bunch of more turkeys last year than <laughs> you know would have normally <laughs> I agree with been that. killed because every kid and adult was out of work so or school so you had so many more hunters we were up in tennessee last year hunting and i forgot what county we were in but a guy called out how many turkeys had been killed in that county already because we were up there the last week of turkey season and uh I said, there's no way that many turkeys have been killed in this county. And he pulled it up online and showed me the numbers. And he was like, well, you got to think about it. You know, a lot of people aren't working and the kids are out of school. So there's just a lot more people in the woods seven days a week versus two days a week, you know, with your working weekend crowd kind of deal. So, you know, that, that put a lot more deer and turkey on the ground, you know, this past year, in my personal opinion. So that's a fact. Yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. was. Out, I was definitely out there quite a bit <laughs> due to COVID. Oh yeah, <laughs> laziness is what you I'm was there. there. <laughs> you just didn't go to work. You had, you could go to work. You just chose not to. <laughs> yeah, he just skipped work. Yeah, I got, he did. I got a passion that runs deep. <laughs> that, runs that's right. <laughs> hey, Michael, won't you do us? A, will you do us a favor and tell us a good funny story? Well, we're getting this long in the tooth on this thing. We know, but if you got any good funny stories you could share with us. Oh man, I, I, there's there's really so many. It would it would probably take me a while to pick one that was extremely <laughs> funny. Oh uh, well, well, I'll tell you one that happened down in Florida. I don't know if y'all saw that picture of me shirtless. Yes, yes, but, uh, did. yeah, we did. We're gonna make yeah, that the, the the poster of this episode. As a matter of fact, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. We were actually standing there. Uh, we Drake actually he comes down and films for Spring Thunder and all that kind of stuff and so you know Drake killed his bird and he needed a uh, shirt with you know that was element uh, camouflage mm-hmm. and so we're sitting there and he had on a different shirt and we're like well, we need an element shirt and they looked at me and I was the only one wearing one of the <laughs> element shirts <laughs> and so. Anyhow, I got rooked out of my shirt, and I'm standing there shirtless. And so I'm just sitting up at the cart, and they're taking some pictures and photos down there and all. 
And next thing I know, they turn the camera on me and are taking pictures of me back at the start with my gut hanging out. I'm like, y'all, y'all are killing me here. The man they who will literally man give you his shirt off his back. Shirt, yeah, I did that. I did that. And I'm up there with a farmer's tan and they turned the photo show on me instead of the turkeys. It probably so, got it probably got them more likes than that turkey did anyway. So you should have oh, standing man. there, Michael. I'm telling you, Philip called me, he texted me and he said Man, do you, do you mind? He said, "I want to use this as a thumbnail." He said, "Do you care?" And I said, "No, nah, I, don't, I don't care." Oh man, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, there, there's all we have so much fun. There's it's just it, it's unreal the amount of stories. It'd be it's it, once again it's my indecisiveness of trying to pick between everything. You know. <laughs> So I understand. Hey, Michael, I'm gonna hit you with a couple questions as we're wrapping up here towards the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, uh, what advice would you give someone coming up in the outdoor world? Have fun. Yeah. Absolutely to have fun and you know, not to let the naysayers get to you. Do your thing, do what makes you happy and have fun with what you're doing. Uh that that, that is what I tell everybody is is to have fun with it because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. And if you let any anything else come in on your what anybody else is saying or whatever affects you and drive you out, you know that that's not what it's about. So my 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 whole deal is to have fun and do it the way you want to do it. And, you know, enjoy your time. That's what it's about: it's enjoying your time. So my my whole deal with everybody and kids getting into it and adults that are getting into it and adults that have been in it for years and years and years is to have fun with it. You know, a lot of people nowadays are taking it way too serious, and, you know, that's when the fun leaves. So my, my, my you know, goal is to always keep keep the fun in it. You so got that right. That, you can tell that, that, that by the videos. My, that's right. Well, it is. Yeah. And that, that's always been my answer to that question, is, is to enjoy it. That's what it's about, and that's what it was put out for us to do. So, you know, keep a positive head and do what you want to do and what makes you happy and have fun. That's right. Tell mm -hmm. us, uh, tell us what Michael Pitts is thankful for. Life in general now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after after the deal I had, I'm, I'm just every day. You know, past August the second is is a blessing to me. So. You know, life in general is, is is something I'm very, you know, happy and blessed for right now. So, yeah. Michael, I, I really do. I'm going to go around the table here. But, man, I really do appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate you reaching back man, out to Alex time. and uh, just yeah. coming on and sharing these stories with you. And I, maybe we can get you back on maybe after turkey season or sometime and see how the rest of the season went. And, Absolutely. Um, before I spin it back over to Cody and around to Alex, uh, do you want to give a shout-out to anybody? Man, everybody, I want to give a shout-out for y'all for inviting me on here. <laughs> yeah, well, we you appreciate know? that. It, it, absolutely. No, I've had a lot of people behind me for a long time, and the list is long, you yeah. know, so I don't want to single anybody out or offend anybody because there's so many, you know, out there that have helped me out along my, you know, journey with the hunting. So, you know, that that's one I always avoid because I don't want to offend anybody because there's so many to name. Yeah, I don't uh, I've you. had a lot of help. I, yeah, I've had a lot of help along the way. And so, 
you know, that's one of those questions I avoid. Right. <laughs> I avoid it like the plague, <laughs> like the coronavirus. Oh, man, y'all, y'all keep grinding over at Hunt Club. I enjoy what you guys are doing, and I, oh, yeah. I love the yeah. name, man. That's a that's just a genuine yeah. genuine name there. So, well, yeah, we're just trying to keep it low key, and you know, the name says what it is, and we wanted to, you know, take you know, a lot of people can't relate to going to an outfitter and you know, killing a 190-inch deer. And so we wanted to put it out there how we do it, you know, and and it's something everybody can relate to. So, you know, the name says it all, Hunt Club. You know, it's just down-home hunting, you know, and doing whatever you can to to chase the game you're after. So, absolutely. Yeah, Michael, I just appreciate everything you do, and I'm – I enjoy watching all your stuff. So, like Nick said, y'all just y'all just keep it up there, up over there. I uh, I saw your video; it popped back up again about the turkey hunter's excuse today. I was watching that, and, and, <laughs> yeah, I, was, and yeah. I was thinking about Nick sitting across the table. That's usually what his phone calls sound like when he calls me. So, jams is flying now. No, I'm just kidding. But I appreciate it. I know you're busy, man. So I appreciate you taking you know a few minutes to come on and talk talk to us. And uh, oh, man, anytime, just keep anytime. it up. Keep it up because yeah, the laughs are definitely – it's funny to watch all the stuff. So. You need to make some more, my, Michael. You do. <laughs> you're o- you're, you're overdue. Yeah. No, we're actually going to do that. We we talked about it the other day. But, you know, COVID's messed up a lot of stuff, you know, just due to people not being in offices and, you know, trying to social distance as much as possible. So, the you co- know, we, we, we had a talk in the meeting the other day, and we're going – we're going to get back into some of that kind of stuff and start putting it back out there because they weren't even in the office. They were working, you know, Realtree was working remote for several months, you know, through all this uh, Corona stuff. So, you know, everybody's been trying to do their part to keep it to a minimum. And so, but we're, we're about to dive back in with both feet. Well, as everybody else said, Michael, we sure appreciate you taking the time to come on and be with us. It's, it's been a, a pleasurable experience and i know it it doesn't seem like a lot you probably do this stuff you know on, on a daily basis and seeing people but for for a couple of good old boys up here in north georgia to get the opportunity to speak with somebody who we've watched for a number of years on social media and watched you on the the real tree videos and and been able to watch the videos you put on youtube and everything else it's 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 humbling to us to get to speak with you on the phone and have a conversation with you and you know, we keep hearing it uh, spoken a lot that the hunting public is big, but the hunting industry is small. And we're hoping that mm-hmm. as this thing continues to grow for us, that we're we're one day maybe considered to be a part of that hunting uh, hunting community that's that's vastly small. And, and we sure enjoy it. And uh, like I said, I can't thank you enough for the uh, for the opportunity to get on and speak with you. I said. Wow. It to- I said at the beginning Absolutely. of the show, you know, you taught Eddie Salter everything you know, and, and, and I, I, that was a jab, I know for sure, because I remember watching, first time I ever saw Eddie Salter was when he was on with TK and Mike turkey hunting, that's the oh, first yeah. time I ever, yep. ever heard anything about him, and then to be able to oh, watch yeah. him grow through the years, and uh, of course, the continued success of Bone Collector and and the Real Tree team is is something that we uh, we can only hope to get those guys as it goes, and maybe speak with them in the future, we got we got a, a one of the bone collector guys already lined up for next month, and I ain't gonna say his name yet, but maybe we can get the other Uh-oh. two figured out. Um, he's the western. <laughs> right. he, he's the western one for anybody that follows him. We got that one. Now we'll have to grab those Georgia boys and get them on. So, 
but that's we right. we that's sure right. appreciate oh, yeah. it, and we uh, we hope to be able oh, to man. do it again with you. Hey, real quick, I do have a question yeah. for you. Are you going to be yeah. at the outdoor blast? I no, I don't think so. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm actually running. Run. It's weird with me in the fire department because I've got to kind of schedule out my vacation right. and stuff. So I got to kind of pick and choose what I do and where I'm at and that kind of stuff. So, well, hopefully we can catch you at one of these shows that we run into. Do y'all, are y'all, oh, yeah. do y'all have any shows planned out for this year? You know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm usually at the ATA show pretty much every year, uh, and I do a lot with it, the NWTF. I uh, usually go to that one every year when they have it. You know, both of those have been canceled this year. Right. Uh, and I'll go, you know, if, if I'm invited to go somewhere or whatever, I'm always looking to go somewhere different. But, you know, it just depends on at the time how my vacation's flowing or how much comp time I got built up or that kind of stuff. You know, juggling the adult stuff and, you know, <laughs> right. try, trying trying to keep a roof over my head. And, you you're, know, working, you're a working man in. just like we are. That's the thing oh, about man, it. People that, that sees yeah. you on all this stuff, you got a, you got a job just like we do. So it's, it's – Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. I, I would love to be at everything because I love getting out and traveling and talking to people and meeting new people. And I would go to everything that was ever put out there if I could. But, you know, sometimes you got to do the adult thing and go to work. So, <laughs> That's you know, I, 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 I juggle – I, I juggle that because I'm, I'm sitting at work wanting to be somewhere else. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, like I said, and like uh, Nick and Cody both spoke to, we appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to come on and speak with us. And, oh, yeah, uh, anytime. The conversation, I hope, continues for the future. I'll definitely be uh, pinging you from time to time. I'll try not to yeah. bother you too much, though. So. <laughs> nah, you ain't going to bother me. <laughs> well, Michael, we appreciate it. For everyone out there, if you listen to this episode, you've heard the man speak himself. It's Michael Pitts. He's a real tree pro staff member. He's a veteran firefighter. He's all around good. He's a old hunt Georgia club boy. member. He's a hunt club member. Don't forget that. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's for sure. Maybe we can get maybe we can get over there and talk to them hunt club boys sometime. Get, <laughs> that's right. Get Absolutely. the rest of them going. So, but we definitely appreciate your time, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon, Michael. Sounds great. All right. Have a good night, sir. You do the same. All right. Bye bye. All right, everybody, Michael Pitts. Hey, y'all heard the episode. You heard the man talking for it. He's just a humble person, as, as you could ask for him to be. He told a few stories, and that clown, when I watched him on the bank, he couldn't even look. Did you see that one? I ain't seen that one. Oh, man. It was, I've watched that turkey hunting one probably 12, 15, 20 times. When he gets to talking like he does and doing those parodies, that's one of my favorite things to watch. I mean, and I hope he continues to do that. Yeah, people need to see that stuff. Yeah, it's just That's, that's what breaks jazz. it up. Yeah. Then it makes people think that – Man, I can get outside and do that too, you know. It and, does, and I mean, we we watch these short videos and everything, and then you know, it, it is. And I wasn't just blowing smoke when I said that. It is humbling to to us to get him to come on and speak. I mean, we've been talking about that for weeks. Yep. Pitts is coming on. Pitts <laughs> is coming on, and you know, to me, that's just everyone we continue to talk to. It's, it goes right back to the same thing. Just be thankful. Yep. So, what else you got, Nick? That's it, man. Rolling right into the rest of the turkey season. You got a fun-filled uh, weekend ahead of you? Well, when this podcast comes out, I think I'll be – what would that be the next weekend? Podcast land. We I'll, be hunting, I'll be hunting Georgia Saturday and Butler, Georgia that Sunday. Okay. So, then I'm getting very, very close to going out west. That's right. How about you, Cody? No turkey hunting for me this week. We're going. We're going camping, take a break. 
We got I got three under my under my belt this year, not for me personally, but that I've been a part of. So we'll take a little break, spend a little time with the family this weekend, make you know, make sure mama's happy. And uh, you know, shout out to her because I haven't shouted her out yet. I'm gonna take the <laughs> opportunity to I get to go turkey hunting and do all the things I do because she's at home watching the kids and making sure that you know, nobody burns the house down and all that. So hats off to her. They strike matches under the bed often. They and stuff. do. Yeah, playing. With, we give them lighters to play with and stuff. So, well, hey, <laughs> whatever fools you, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. Aren't you good? I'm good, man. I'm good too. Hey, for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, we sure appreciate you tuning in for this episode. We hope you'll come back and be with us again real soon. For everybody that's not go, hearing it, go over to YouTube. Sorry, Alex. Go over to YouTube and give us some thumbs up. Give us some likes or something. If you we're, watch a we're video, here, subscribe. We're out here grinding. I'm putting my face on a video that I don't like doing. <laughs> Bought him a selfie stick. Bought him a selfie stick, yeah. Hey, and I, hats off. You're doing all that with a phone. That's impressive. It's some good stuff. Yeah, and I do the editing, and Kelsey gets mad at me. I'll be standing there for two hours. I turned a three-hour, was it three hour? Three hours worth of video another day into five minutes. So yeah. that's a lot of work. It is. It is a lot of work, for sure. Well, the work side of it's definitely enjoyable. You're putting a lot of putting a lot of your heart into it you can tell i appreciate that that's what it's all about so as i said go over to uh, all our social media platforms and check us out give us a like on youtube like nick said please give us a subscription there the kt team fundraiser is still underway it's going to run until the end of may excuse me the end of april um, we've got a special special trip lined up in may for that if you haven't watched any of the videos on that, please do. You'll kind of see where we're coming from on this. Carrie and Jason are doing a great thing, and we're excited to be uh, to be able to be a little small part of that as we go along. Um, we've got some exciting things coming up for the future and some exciting episodes. So y'all will be with us when you can. And, uh, hey, as I always say, smile as you go, and don't forget, mouth the members. <laughs>